day drinking in the middle of Asagaya. The back end of Tokyo, you found it. The Japan Wet Podcast with your host, Matt Bigelow. MatthewPMBigelow.com. That's MatthewPMBigelow.com. Revised for your eyes. With me on the podcast today is an old friend, Maximilian Vaughn, if you will. A writer, ex-Marine, um, and uh, conservative, but not the regular conservative you would see on like a, a Tucker Carlson or wherever country that you're appearing from. Or he's a Japanese conservative who who prides himself prides himself. I'm putting words in his mouth, but who maybe is proud of the fact that he is entered into the Japanese conservative sphere and considers himself Japanese, speaks Japanese, writes books in Japanese and English, and he is here to talk about what I'm hoping to be is uh, the recent developments of uh, war and um, how it's going to affect Japan and the economy. I'm assuming that because he's not a milk toast conservative, that he has some scuttlebutt information from behind the front lines that you will never hear from anywhere else. Maximilian, thanks a lot for being on the podcast. Hello, everybody. C'est moi, c'est moi. It's Max, Max from Tokyo. We used to do some uh, podcasts a, a few years ago, um, but I took some time off to raise my son and just I didn't want to be mm. Mr. COVID podcaster. I was I, I didn't know <laughs> we, what, what we it was. We have a new subject now. It's it's war. So it's war. How was my introduction? What, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty know, cool. Anything yeah, that uh, I missed well, or you'd well, like to add? No, no, no. I've been here forty eight years. First came with the Marine Corps uh, in Yamaguchi Prefecture, not Okinawa, and west of Hiroshima, and I've been here since. Pretty much, basically that. And even when I, I was spent two trips in America, two years each, and I was in New York City for two years, frankly, I didn't speak English half the time. I was all in the Japanese society of New York. But that's okay. Half of New York doesn't speak English all the time anyway. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's a real melting pot of everybody now, who I hates just, each other. I just spoke French, and I mean, I know I can speak French because I could tell the Haitian taxi driver of New York where to go. But <laughs> when it came to the Pakistani guy in Urdu, I was just out of luck. Yeah. And boy, I was late hold for it. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> that's New York. Okay, New York, yeah, I really used to like New York. I like New York. I like New York, but that's yeah, not best. Now it's gone. It's it's, it's, gone. it's over. It's over. M many things I feel are over. Um, we are recording this on March 30th. Mm. I hope it'll be up by March 31st, 2022. Right. Leading into April 1st, April Fool's Day, but also the first day of the fiscal year in Japan's economy. My, my lord, what if they have peace in Ukraine on, on April 1st? That's right. Then, well, well, this, well people really take that. Then well, well, this is just an exercise in in, in humility and futility and all those other illities. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> but what is um, what is your understanding? So hold on, I'll I'll just get into it. I went and bought a bunch of meat today, right? Uh, especially pork because grain is going up. This war in Ukraine is going on. I don't really care for either side. I'm mm -hmm. not a Putinista. Okay. Okay, I'm not okay. a Ukrainian guy. Uh, I, I view most of the media coming out as complete bullshit. 
it's hard to understand what what exactly is happening over there. Sometimes I see a captured tank and it's a Russian tank and then it's also a Ukrainian tank. There's like a Z painted on the side, but mm-hmm. is that a Russian Z or does somebody paint a Z well, on the side? Supposedly the Russians are putting Z on their tanks. Yeah, I, I believe then, it. But uh, they have the same tanks as the Ukrainians, a lot of the older models, especially so, so, so. Right, and the Ukrainians are really good at propaganda. They, I'm surprised. I thought they were just really good at firing missiles, especially javelins from on top of um, apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. I, I, I knew that from a long time ago from the book Absurdistan, where um, Putin is uh, bombing and, and trying to broker a peace deal in this, in this back hole society. Mm-hmm. But the Ukrainians are very good at getting on top of buildings with missiles. So. Well, first of all, he's not bombing. He's not. Very little bombing. Very, yeah. Very little artillery. It's an infantry war from the Russian side. From the Russian side. Now, there's, there's one thing here I want to say really. And armor. Um, this is not a normal war. This is, uh, we should even, the Japanese word, Shinryaku or Shinko. I, I really learned, you know, 48 years in this country, I write books in Japanese. I really learned it's really different. Shinryaku means invasion. I... Both of them, for me, meant invasion, but Shinko is more like the word incursion. And what's being used in this case? Shinko. Is that your usage or the general usage? This is usage? Ja- general Japanese usage. And uh, my my uh, Japanese professor, which is my wife, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> she really got on me. I mean, you have to be careful how you use it there because everyone in Japan uses Shinko. Now, what does this mean? But what I'm saying here is Americans have been judging this war by the way an American would do war. That's invade. We're going to conquer the place. Russia does not seem to intend to really conquer. In order to establish democracy, we had to end democracy. And uh, Americans would also use massive firepower. Lots of missiles, lots of remote. Right, right. Very little um, feet on the ground, boots on the ground, and also very little uh, boots on the ground intelligence as well. Right, right. Now, the Russians have been done the opposite. They've made it an infantry war. And that's why they haven't really advanced. And they're not... There's only been, from what I can see, two centers of resistance on the Ukrainian side. One is the city of Mariupol on the Azov Sea. And that's the home ground of the Azov Battalion, and that's their, their main home base area. They yeah. really fought for it. The Azovs have, uh, of course, the Azov Battalion, the Azov Sea. It's this weird um, Nazi holdover type of a thing. Uh, it's hard it to understand. I'm, I'm, okay, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, I'm a military historian, and I know about Stefan Bandera, and I know about after World War II. He did manage to align with the Nazis in 1944. And if you know anything about World War II history, 1944 would seem a bad time to ally with the Nazis. <laughs> they were losing everywhere. Yes. And everywhere the German armies were... By the way, I am an ethnic German, but when you talk to me about Nazis, that's a whole other thing. They do use Nazi symbolism. They do use runes. The, the Wolfsangel SS rune. This is, okay, runes, for those who don't know, are the ancient Scandinavian alphabet. And the Germans made a whole mythology of many things and used many runic letters. Um, I'm Swedish besides being German. So for me, that reverberates. But the, the I'm Nazi- a Norwegian as well as a Canadian, right. so runes are amazing. They're awesome. Who doesn't they're, like they're runes? Right, right. But the Nazis used and made a religion of things. And um, 
There were a couple of... Um, I, kind of incorporated mysticism, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Ukrainian SS divisions. I think there were two. Yeah. There was two. And uh, so we're talking maybe like thirty to 40,000 troops. They weren't full-size divisions by that time. And these guys were used by the CIA up to 1952 or three or something like that. As a counter-communist um, uh, leverage point, right? They tried to set up a guerrilla operation in Western Ukraine, which was Soviet at the time. And they would drop people in by parachute, which, of course, was totally broken, um, probably through British intelligence. There was major KGB spies in British intelligence. And um, Kim Philby is one name that comes boom, to mind. And when these guys would drop out of the parachute, they would find a party waiting for them of Soviets. <laughs> and uh, so the CIA gave it up after a while. And so these Azov Italian guys trace their lineage back to Stefan Bandera. They call themselves Banderistas or something like that. And um, they're really nasty people. They're really nasty. I'm learning a lot of... The Ukrainian women seem to be really hot and nice. Mm -hmm. Ukrainian men seem to be rather drunk and boorish. That's kind of what I'm learning a little bit. Well, you're somewhere there now, you know? And... Uh, um, the Azov Battalion would do things like they, they something like in, since 2014, when America put a coup d'etat in Kiev, in Ukraine, and put a threw out a pro-Russian president. The Maidan Revolution. The Maidan Revolution. Yes. The Azovs have been running amok. Yats. And um, in the eastern of Ukraine, the Donbass area, the old industrial area. Donbass and Lugansk or Luhansk, right. however you want to say it. They, uh, they killed something like 14,000 people. This is the best estimate over the last eight years. And decimated, the Ukrainian side decimated a lot of the um, uh, architecture, not architecture, but infrastructure there as well. Right. Airports gone, schools gone. So the right, same right. things that you're seeing uh, with um, certain theater bombings on, on behalf of the Russians uh, in, their, in their belligerent activities in the Ukraine war right now or incursion or whatever you want to say, that's been going on along on the, for, long for, for many years on part of the Ukrainians as well. One of their, one of their neat little tricks was um, they would kill somebody, cut off his head, and send it to his mother or his family. And, uh, yeah. That was, I've, I've seen some recent videos of... Um, Ukrainian soldiers shooting Russian captives in, in their legs, in the legs, in yes. the nuts as well, yes, in the balls, um, and uh, calling their mothers on their cell phones to tell them that their their sons are dead and stuff like that. Yeah, they're they're not nice people. And you can say, oh, well, the Russians shouldn't even be there. I'm like, yeah, I kind of get you, but well, there there are, there is such thing as POWs and and Geneva and, and well, th this this doesn't apply at all here. No. And see, Ukraine was never really an independent country for ever. I think um, I, th I can't recall a time when it was. It was Soviet until 1991, when the Soviet Union broke up. And the Soviet Union <coughs> had a long reputation of changing borders, readjusting borders, or putting other countries' borders in, inside your own country, when, uh, like with Azerbaijan, to to create rifts amongst the populace oh, on a yes. local level. Oh, yes. Um, which would give the Soviets control on a bureaucratic level. Right, right. Everybody's because when Crimea was given back to the Ukraine, it was Russian originally, and Khrushchev got really drunk, and the next day hung over, ah, let's give the Ukraine, uh, let's give Crimea to the Ukraine, you know. Yeah. But, and it could have been a suggestion from a Soviet um, aide or admin of his that's trying to cause... To try to stir, to stir division up by reappropriating borders, which was well, a Soviet there was tactic. Ukraine, the Ukraine, Crimea was originally Tartar, and they that's were all right. deported. They were all deported. 
uh, Stalin sent them all out to the east, out to Siberia somewhere. That's right. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. So Ukraine has never been a real country, so to speak. Now we're talking about Lvov. I call it Lvov. Uh, Lviv is now, I think, the Ukrainian name for the city. Okay, Lvov. That's a city. It's like a cultural capital in the east of Ukraine. West, 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 west. West. I'm sorry, west. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm I'm on neither side here. Uh, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it purely agnostically. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. if somebody Uh, is like, "Oh, you're a pro-Putinista," no, no, no. no. Oh, you're a pro-Zelensky. I don't like either either of them. So uh, there's that. You got. But you've got to admire his piano playing. Zelensky's? Yes. You, haven't, haven't, seen you haven't seen that? Oh, I've got to send you. Ladies and gentlemen, please go to YouTube and say, Zelensky playing the piano with his dick. Oh, yeah, that's right. He does a bunch of, um, he was an actor and he was in some adult themed videos and stuff like that. He was, um, I, there's another one floating around of him in a very gay. Uh, he strikes folk, me focus. as a very dodgy person. He was in the Pandora Papers yeah. He's got offshore properties and all that. So he's not just like this young Jewish kid going he up got against Putin. picked up by a guy named Kolomonsky, Igor Kolomonsky, and a very rich, what the, what the West is labeling, oligarch, very yeah. rich guy. Yeah. The guy didn't think he could be president because he's just too notorious. And he's the same guy who founded the Azov Battalion, by the way. Um, one time I did see that Zelensky did try to rein in the, the Azov Battalion. Went out to them and went out to the Donbass and says, look, you guys, you got to kind of knock cool it down. And they basically told him to take his lunch and go somewhere else. And he's, but I'm your president. And they told him to take his lunch and go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> so, Ukraine is not as unified as the borders would have you believe. No, 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 no. Not at it's, all. It's basically the West is Christian Catholic. The East is Russian Orthodox. Yeah. Right there, you've got a lot of problems. You've got a lot of problems. Uh, Japanese people really don't understand this world. Of course, people like us were born in North America. We understand it very well. And uh, it's not so much in America these days between white people, but still there's some, There's it's there somewhat. There's jokes. Um, I had a friend in New York who told me, yeah, yeah, I'm half Italian and, and um, half Irish. So right there, you understand there's problems. People say, why are there problems? It's just this. They're just, uh, what do you call somebody who has one parent from Puerto Rico? Uh-oh. What? Puerto Rican. <laughs> but I want to get back to the, so there's this, there's this whole kerfuffle, we can call it, in, um, in Ukraine. Hmm. And recently, we've seen... Um, grain go up and yes, we've also yes. seen russia ask for ruble payments for oil yes and yes. um there's this idea that perhaps russia will get ruble po- payments for their oil via china's um digital payment system which is quite mm-hmm. advanced um and india be brought in on, on top of that because india's payment system is also advanced by the way the pay pay system in japan mm. is based on the paytm technology that was made in india mm-hmm. that masayoshi's son bought out to make pay pay for the japanese market so the idea that and india has a, a massive digital database that they're willing to leverage to create new economy new economic ventures mm. and so mm. on so um my question for you, Max, is: mm. um, what, what do you have? You are people in your Japanese um, non-milk toast conservative circles aware of these trends? And 
do they also worry about, for example, how this will affect um, life in Japan? Okay, most people are just blindly supporting America, blind support of America. In fact, some are very, very emotionally blindly supporting America. Um, there are some people, though, who are very, very worried, very worried. Uh, but I've been predicting collapse of the United States for a long time. Uh, and, and in a sense, you know, this, is, this war is an extension of the great game. You know the great game? Yeah, that's the British way of, of dividing the world. and Right. And making... Well, the British went into Afghanistan back in 1840-something, it was. They yeah. did it a couple of times, yeah. And uh, Got their asses whipped every time really they went. badly, yeah. yes. And guess who, guess who else did last August? <laughs> yeah. A certain um, administration called the, the Biden. Uh, America, did you also, do you remember back in January this year, that America tried to make a revolution in Kazakhstan? Was it Kazakhstan or was it it's Belarus? Kazakhstan. It was Kazakhstan. Okay. Kazakhstan and um, the chief of security in Kazakhstan got arrested, which, hey, everybody, is a good friend of Hunter Biden. Wow. He has a lot of good friends. <laughs> Hunter has a lot of friends. But this they, they made a lot of riots, which were sponsored by NGOs, and something like 6,000 people were killed. Russia sent in 3,000 airborne troops. And the situation leveled out. It was an American attempt. Slavs are not suckers for this type of shit. No. They're really not. They're so unemotional, like, compared to Western people. Western people or, like, uh, people who, who, like, oh, they get so riled up and emotional about these things. But Slavs mm. are just like, more people would come to my donkey's funeral than go to your fucking protest. <laughs> And you're like, okay, that's the Slav take, I guess. And so when you try to get them riled up, they're just like, no, I'm not going to leave my door. I'm not, well, you're, you're asking me to leave my house? I don't think I'm going to even, well, I'm just going to lock the door and stay inside. How about as, that? As a historian, I find the Russian people very impressive. Very impressive. Now, in, this, in the World War II, they had awful leadership, especially at the beginning. Yet they fought. They fought. And anyone who wants to know about how they fought, uh, there's a book. It's called 900 Days. Just look at that. It's about the siege of Leningrad. The German army had cut off Leningrad for about three years. And how much, I think it was 200 calories a day was, uh, was for the average person, elderly person. So you're going to die on that. Uh, workers had, soldiers had 800 calories. Workers had 600 calories because Leningrad was cut off from all supply. Children were evacuated because they would starve to death. And um, people, they, they, the Leningraders survived. The Russians survived, and eventually Germany was pushed back. Yeah. And at the beginning of the war, Germany was superior militarily in every way. But eventually, through blood, they pushed back. There was 25 million casualties in World War II. It's a lot. That's a lot. And um, today, today you're going to be very surprised, but Russian weaponry is much better than American. There, the stuff that we're seeing um, in the um, incursion or invasion, who I don't care what you say, mm -hmm. um, in Ukraine is is not their front. It's not. It's not it's their not cutting their best edge stuff. It, it's it's good enough to go in there and make an impression because right. it's familiar to everybody. Like missile racks and tanks and stuff like that. And yeah. it's good enough probably to get across the plains in Ukraine and march, uh, you know, while the, while the frost is still there. And, and you lose some to figure out where you're basically lazing the place. Like, 
lasering, like uh, figuring out where you can go and where you can't go, you know? Because if you have like a battalion and they just sweep through and everyone's like, hey guys, you're going to use your basic equipment to be like, okay, we're cool here. But if you send in your, it's like a suicide mission, essentially. If you send in your your not top of the line stuff into an alternative area and they get wiped, that's where, you know, you got resistance, right? It's the flak idea. Um, I think it's a lot of this. I think there's a lot of stories emphasizing Ukrainian resistance, which doesn't exist. The average Ukrainian is not really fighting in this war. That's Agreed, but there are there are holdouts, especially uh, you know that's what the, Russia's doing with their with their basic equipment right now, figuring the, out Nazi Azov battalion. Now, Nazi Azov battalion, I had originally it was about nine hundred, and then up to three thousand, but there's thirty such other battalions, such oligarchs arm them and so forth. So as far as those kind of really ideological troops, I'd say maybe 30,000, almost maybe maybe 35. These guys are fighting. Now, by Kharkiv, um, there's been a lot of... Um, Kharkiv. Kharkov. Kharkov. Uh, uh, Yarihov in Japanese or Kharkiv yeah, yeah. in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. K-A-H-A-R-I-V or Yarihov in uh, Japanese. I used, have, I used to have a friend from Kharkov in... Um, the acting business, but he never said he's a Ukrainian. He always said he's a Russian. And this kind of tells you about how it is, you know? When um, the uh, Crimea Peninsula was handed through annexation and, and, and reform back to Russia, I was playing music with a Russian, uh, sorry, a Ukrainian woman from uh, Savatispol, which is the cultural capital there, the main city there. And, and also a major naval port. Naval port. She wasn't too surprised. I don't think she was in support of it because she was more of a liberal type. Yeah. But when I asked her about it, she was like, "Yeah, it's back." And it wasn't. I didn't see a lot of a lot of consternation on her face or anything like that. So right, it, right, it, it, right. 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 I was right, kind right. of surprised because I was expecting some sort of reaction, but there wasn't. Well, any. you know, the, the thing Slavs. is, with, with Ukrainians, you know, and the the Russian half and the Ukrainian half, you know, and there's a lot of intermix intermix. There too, yeah, absolutely. And, um, it's a plain state. It's, it's and, the, and the Russian state actually started in Kiev. Yes, um, founded by Swedes. Yes, my ancestors. So I could be part Russian, and this is how I approached that. I could be part Russian very well. Uh, that was like uh, 1,200 years ago. Because the Swedes went through the river networks. River networks. Down right. and through um, that area of Europe. Right. The, the Norwegians first... went through the the, 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 the the salty networks. Right, up the seas and into France That's, and England. Yes. So, um, anyway, uh, but basically Americans didn't understand this war. And propaganda is saying that the Ukrainians are winning. No, they're not. I don't, I don't think so. I don't see any evidence. And I've also found this. Um the Ukrainian ground forces really only number about 100,000, regular ground army, only about 100,000, 120,000. Just before the war started, actually, Ukraine started it by shelling the Donbass again. And they concentrated 60,000 troops, some 12 brigades, which are still there, but they're surrounded by the Russian army. Yes. And that is such a stupid decision. Uh, militarily speaking, the proper decision would have been to withdraw them immediately. Set up a front line on the Dnieper River, which roughly bisects the country north to south. That's where it's going to get divided when this is all over. When this is all over. Uh, but now Zelensky has nothing really to negotiate with. And by the way, the, the negotiations, the negotiations are going like this. He's, okay, Russian major things he's agreed to. He's agreed not to join NATO. He's agreed, basically, that Donbass republics can be independent 
or even go to Russia. Um, basically, he's also agreeing that Crimea is part of Russia. In fact, he has no more military power. His military is smashed. So um, there's nothing much he can do about it. And uh, what's left is he's negotiating for is he wants security guarantees, but he wants them guaranteed by countries like he's got like six, seven countries, Canada and America and France and Britain and, uh, and Russia's like, uh, but the major, actually even this morning, early this morning, two o'clock in the morning, after the major conditions are already agreed to. So a ceasefire and Russia's, withdrawing troops in the Kiev area, this does not mean they're defeated. This does not mean they're defeated. Not at all. Um, also, ladies and gentlemen... It's a show of force. Also, ladies and gentlemen, um, if, if American conventional forces met Russian conventional forces in battle, it'd be a slaughter of the Americans. The American military is so weak... And this is because of political correctness. Years and years of leftists playing with the U.S. military. Uh, women have to be in the front lines in the infantry and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, oh, we should promote black people over. The military used to be an area. And I know, I'm a former Marine. It used to be an area. Of course, there's nothing wrong with promoting black people based on merit. No, okay. I used to be many things when I was in the Marine Corps. And I only had a career of two years. One of them... Um, one of them, I was undercover intelligence agent. Another was, I was uh, working in the base headquarters office in you know, Iwakuni, Yamaguchi, Japan. And I was a promotions clerk for the base squadron. And we had just the record books. There was no photos. Now I understand there's photos that you get to see. Oh, is this a black guy or a white guy or a Hispanic guy or a woman? Né? Or a woman. Back then, it was just record books. And you would have an officer from every section of the base. We'd meet once a month. And, okay, in the military for promotion is time and grade. Then you're eligible for promotion. And then there's meritorious promotion. You're promoted before your time. Okay, but your time and grade comes. So we would have a meeting. And the officer in charge of that Marine directly would maybe make a few words about him. Then all the officers would vote, promote this guy or not, or woman. And we had women, Marines, yes. And um, there was no photos. But now the military has photos. So you know, and there's a, there's a strong unspoken that people from minority races have to be promoted. The Marine Corps, the military, is one place where you really got on your merit, and there wasn't that much prejudice against someone who's not white. In fact, in the Marine Corps, it was really strictly enforced, especially basically in the first day. Meritorious promotion? The first day. Okay, I want to tell this story because this is, you know, it's not about Ukraine, but... Um, First day, you get naked. You get in there. You get on the bus in the airport in San Diego Airport. Got one of the Marine Corps recruit depot, San Diego, and you're standing there for two hours with the searchlights on you at night, screaming, "Sergeant!" You know, rah, 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 rah. and then you run, 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 run everywhere, running, and uh, you come to these bins. This building, in this building, there's bins, and you take off all your clothes, totally naked. Put them in this box. The box is sealed. All the money you have is taken and written and recorded by a sergeant. It's all taken. I had 25 cents. I had 25 cents. I mean, I was told I didn't need money in the Marine Corps. You don't need money in the Marine Corps. Okay. Anyway, then you have some farm boy, some farm white boy, standing next to some gangbanger from Chicago. And they're standing there stark naked next to each other. There's going to be trouble. They're going to look at each other. You start something. Whoever starts something. There's four or five sergeants. And they're different colors. Doesn't matter. They're sergeants. 
and they lay into you. You have a problem? You want to make it our problem? And they told us, you're not black. You're not white, not yellow, not brown. You're all green. You're all Marines. You're going to be Marines. You're not yet Marines. You're nothing worth, you're maggots. Nothing worth a title. But if you prevail in this training, you will become Marines and your color is green. And it was very, very enforced. Very enforced. So I'm really sad to see over the years political correctness has really destroyed that. And now they create a military that I would be afraid to put up against the Russians. I've heard similar things. Um, there's also the fatigue involved from 20 years of Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was also very demoralizing, I think, very. Um, to people who are in the service, people, you know, all, uh, whoever they are. Uh, it, 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 you can look at some um, article from the news and it's like, yeah, they were awesome. But I, if you're no, 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 no. if you're if you're in the military, whatever branch or whatever whatever role you're doing, okay. and you see that you're kind of gonna go, I don't, I, I wouldn't want to be there for that. I have some background information. There's a guy I know, and he's written for Japanese conservative circles. Wait, hold on, I have to go to the bathroom. We'll resume right after this. Okay, get the buckets, bucket, bucket, bucket. So who's this guy you know in the conservative circles of Japan? Well, he's not in Japan. He's in Thailand. He's an American. He's former Green Beret, and he was in Afghanistan. And when Afghanistan fell in August, there was a huge underground movement of uh, former American servicemen who had worked there and had people they wanted to get out. But uh, the American government totally screwed it up. The Taliban offered to let Washington control Kabul while the evacuation took place, and America turned it down. We don't negotiate with terrorists. Well, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just I don't know why. This is just crazy. And the, tel- and the Taliban are just a bunch of country bumpkins, really, with, with AK-47s. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and will, a sheer amount of will. So most of the refugees that got out were just people who happened to be near the airport and physically could get there. Because the first thing Taliban did was shut everything down. People couldn't move. It was a real pickle. And what these Americans, former people in Afghanistan were doing was coordinating with American troops in the airport and getting people through secret routes through the city to the airport. And they got some people out. A lot of people didn't get out. Good luck establishing a long-term secret route as an American in, a, in Kabul. Well, as these, if everybody doesn't these know who people you are. were either American citizens of <laughs> Afghani descent or ethnic Afghan, or um, people who are translators, actual translators, and risk their lives to help fight for America and so forth. They've been getting screwed for years, those translators. So um, uh, most of them got left behind. Cheers, translators. This one's for you. Yes. And this guy guy I know, his name is Michael Yon. I think I can say his name here. He's a former American. Sure. He's written a lot for Japan about Japanese history, about the comfort woman issue, for example. And What's his name again? Michael Yon, Y-O-N. Y-O-N. Okay, you can look him up. And uh, he's done things like for Japanese history and so forth. He's gone into Burma, Myanmar, into the back country. And th- yeah, I had to have a security guard, a driver, you know, and stuff like this. Because Burma's not a safe country. No. And um, interviewed people in villages that had uh, 
you know, been occupied by the Japanese army in World War II. And how do you remember? Oh, we remember quite well. The Japanese were very kind. and The, the just, Japanese military, um, imperial military, set up the original junta. They, they trained them in uh, Hainan, China, and sent them back to kick out the British, that's which correct. is also the Rohingya gets involved in there because the Rohingya were brought in on behalf of the British to occupy mm-hmm. land in the Arakan state while the Buddhists there were negotiating with the Buddhists in, um, in the central cities of what they were going to do with the land. And they came back and the Rohingya fought on behalf of the British while the Japanese backed Junta, beat them out. So mm-hmm. the Rohingya are really not welcome there either. It's just a side note, but I, I like to bring right, it up. Right, right, right. Who else knows that shit? It's, it's complex. It's complex. Very complex. It's a weird part of the world. Yeah. So Japan, but people now, um, well, Michael, he, he worked hard about that. And uh, I've never met him. I've talked to him on the phone a few times. But uh, a great guy. I think a great guy. You know, and he's um, a veteran like me. And I, I always have a thing for veterans. Um, I'm not a veteran, but um, I've watched a lot of war movies, so I know what, exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so this. What's I've also on? played video games where like you shoot other people, so that I yeah I get it. I really do. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I don't know exactly, but I, I, I do like veterans. So the the one segment of the American population, for the amount of uh, killing that they're they're trained to do, they're the least dangerous people. We have from to America. thank American military for one thing. Sure, I'll thank the American no, no, military. No. Two weeks ago, with this Ukrainian problem, two weeks ago, we came so close to nuclear war, so close to worldwide nuclear war. Ladies and gentlemen, do you remember this idea of um, Poland had an idea they're going to send MiG-29s fighter jets. Poland has 28 to Ukraine. Okay. This is one, th- this is another nasty thing. This is one thing that Russia is really pissed about. When the Soviet Union collapsed, it was promised. And I remember this. I remember Reagan talking to Gorbachev. Yeah. We're not going to move NATO one inch to the east. Now, Does wait a minute. Does it have to do with the Munich Accords? Is that, no, no, that's later. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. um, one inch to the east. Aha. It wasn't one inch. It was 1,000 kilometers. <laughs> and, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was it? The Carter administration. It was Zbigniew Brunicki. was Secretary of State. And he's Polish. And he just want to get Poland there. Oh, my God. Now, Poland. That's right. I've heard that under what's this guy's name? Zbigniew Brzezinski. He brought over a whole bunch of anti-Russian lobbyists into Washington at that time. Did right. he not? Mm-hmm. That's sure. It's it's weird because I listen to so many people talk about this stuff. It, it goes into the back burner, but then it comes back out. Yeah, a, a massive anti-Russian Polish lobbying firm. Was Brzezinski? Was he? Okay, I don't know that, but um, it could be Brzezinski. I okay. Mean, um, in any case, Poland joined NATO, and then Hungary and Czech Republic. Well, Czech Republic split up, and Czechoslovakia um, split up. It split yeah. Slovakia and Czech Republic, and then Romania and oh my God, former Soviet Union, the three Baltic republics, which watched them. That Estonia, tr- Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia. Nice. And Estonia is fifty percent Russian. And they're also big into the tech, tech chain things. So, okay, yeah. so and that's just that's just trouble. One of these little countries, their trouble with Russia could start a thermonuclear war. 
it's it's dicey. Um, okay. I don't think anyone's going to go to war over Estonia, though. Well, you don't know. And the thing is, the thing about nuclear war is when someone shoots something, you only have a few minutes to respond. Or? Um, okay, if, with missile to missile, the United States, it's, uh, it's about 30 minutes for a missile to fly from Russia to America or, or vice versa. Uh, what, America, what Russia is really scared of, if Ukraine had gone into NATO, it would be about an eight-minute flight time to Moscow. That's what they're worried about. And there's a thing we call in nuclear war, we call a decapitation strike. Yeah. That's, you kill the leader, you destroy the capital, and the leader can't respond and shoot back their nukes. Because, well, the, 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 the conventional wisdom says that only the leader can shoot nukes. That's not quite true. <laughs> um, in the case of the United States, I have, well, somewhere I forget where I read it, but it takes three people to agree to fire nukes. Right. I've heard the, of that before, too. The president cannot do it by himself. Cannot do it by himself. Decentralized command. Well, yes, it makes sense because if the president was not so, you know, like the president, president, president. <laughs> I gotta shoot the nukes. Gotta get Putin. Uh, actually, that's happened. He can't remain that's, in power. That's happened on Japanese television years gotta ago. Gotta be free. Gotta be free, everyone. There was an officer who had been a, been a nuclear officer. He had been with the president, with President Carter. And he said there was one time, well, he gave some stories. Uh, President Nixon, in his last days, apparently got really drunk every night and would go into the office with the nuclear officers and say, open it up. I want a nuke China. And then, oh, what do we do? And they called Kissinger, who was Secretary of State, and said, Kissinger, we- they won't let me nuke China. And Kissinger said, oh, he's always like that when he's drunk. <laughs> Don't let him do anything until he's sober. But he said, this officer said, that case has been opened. Oh, I want to nuke China, Kissinger. It had been opened once in his history. Once in his history, been opened yeah. by President Bush, just after 9-11. W? The, the kid, the son. Yeah. The younger. Yeah. And the officer stated, and, I, and this is on Asahi TV, Japanese TV interview, I cannot say what action was taken. This is what he said. And I'm like, holy wow, you can say that on TV. Wow. You know, well, he said on Japanese TV, and it just went. (laughs) But um, in any case, you know, we get involved with all these little countries, NATO, expanding NATO, expanding NATO. Uh, You get all their problems. I think that the U.S. government really wants to do Russia. They want to take Russia out of the game. They're mad at Putin because he restored Russia. Yeltsin was giving away the whole country after communism fell. You know that um, the sanctions right now that were mm. placed on Russia were meant to cripple the ruble, and the ruble did drop down significantly in value. In the past week, the ruble has almost it's almost as of as of March thirtieth, twenty twenty two, it's back to where it was almost. The, the, well, the, the bounce done, back was really quick. What they've done is boomeranged. Because the country that's really vulnerable and in trouble is America. Yeah, you can see, like, it's not like Russia, it's not like everybody in Russia is super rich, um, but it's self-sustaining. Yes, it is. It's like, do you, do you want to be um, always on the edge of, uh, of bankruptcy in a, in a thriving city where everyone's on the edge of bankruptcy? Or would you 
rather scale back a little bit and, and rely. And there's on also Russian pride. There's also Russian. You know, okay. When I'm saying this, I, it's, I, I'm not Russian. Well, I said I'm, I'm Swedish. Um, Let's just say that it's okay to be Swedish and not consider yourself Russian. But um, what I'm trying to say is, did you get that, folks? That was an almost burp. That was my talent being able to cut it out. Okay. I'm back on Matt's podcast. Now, but what I'm saying is, you have to think of the other guy. And and I, I just say I was Marine military intelligence. You have to think what the other guy's going to think and how he's going to move his forces, how he's going to do his thing so you can do to win. But see, back then, of course, in intelligence, we had this philosophy. There were certain limits, certain lines. And Ukraine was definitely, back then, one of those places we wouldn't go. We yeah, it was things. a blind spot because you guys needed a blind spot to do your business well, in. Well, blind spot, no, no, it's just it was just too close to... It was too good for business. It was too close to what they are. Um, now, after the war, of course, uh, after Cold War, uh, they uh, the West is doing business in Ukraine, and Ukraine's clearly fucked up, and um, Pelosi's son was there. Not only Hunter Biden, uh, Pelosi's son was there, Mitt Romney's son was there. And a lot of funny things going it, it's on. It's a hotbed of insane corruption. Um, it, it's disgusting, actually. Yes, it's it's um, like you look at you look at Mariupol and Lviv and all these areas where you're just like, what a great, pretty place. And you see on BBC people, the journalists at their hotel rooms on the balconies with the with the golden crosses in the background. You're like, what a lovely place. But that's the tradition. It's yeah. not. It's not the. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. not where the country is right now. I don't think. It's, I don't think you have Zelensky going into those golden churches uh, with the Azov Battalion to pray every Sunday. No. I but, mean, like it, it's. It's 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 a weird, mutant country with with poverty everywhere, billionaire oligarchs everywhere, international Pandora paper connections wherever you want to throw a stone. Uh, and wherever you look, it, it's it's modern day bad, and that's why I do not believe. Sorry, that, Ukraine. I want to like you. You look but cool. That's why I don't believe the average. Chicks are hot. The average Ukrainian person has been going out to fight for Zelensky. No, they're not. I think they're they're a little bit tired. They're probably so tired. They're, they're probably they're gonna, so tired. Of they're going to try to find a hole and wait it out. Wait it out. Uh, there's there was these pictures on the internet of people training with wooden rifles, and I looked at that. It's a and, weird one, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and as a former Marine, I tell you that is just totally useless. That reminds me of the uh, Japanese communists that would use wooden rifles to train against fighting the um, the police officers that would come and try to reclaim their their communist taken territories. It's like, are you sure? And they would just like point at the snow and go bam 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 with their wooden rifles and that was their training yeah. are you sure about that guys is that the way you're gonna really um, install your your revolution <laughs> here yeah, i don't, I don't no, think no. so and they're, they're putting people in the front line with three days of training but russia is not trying to conquer ukraine russia is trying to push ukraine to a point where they're not going to join nato which is already basically agreed and thumb screws yeah yeah um and really, America pushed this. America, Blinken, Blinken, who has a lot of investment into drone weaponry technology. Uh -huh, after uh -huh, okay. he uh, left the Obama administration um, and came back later with the Biden administration, I'm pretty sure he just um, 
left opened one door left one door and opened well, another. Well, that's how yeah. America works. Yeah. Um, so but it's... he was very much in the lead up to the Russian incursion. He was out there saying that Ukraine has a total right to join NATO. Ukraine has a total right to join NATO. And I have seen him on uh, in an interview saying, President Zelensky is totally a man of my respect. Excuse me, a guy that plays the piano with his penis. Hold on, you got to talk like uh, Blinken. Uh, a man like Zelensky... <laughs> is a man that has my total respect and uh, we look forward to establishing more cooperative endeavors with this Ukrainian administration because no he wouldn't say because with this Ukrainian administration therefore we will hold more meetings uh, when the time is made available okay. oh well, okay well we were drinking beer I, I really slipped off a point I want to go back to that about Poland it's not a bad Blinken impression Polish fighters and Blinken Polish fighters going to the Ukraine oh yes okay the whole thing was that you're now, a slippery interview uh, <laughs> Poland is now part of NATO, but still, a lot of um, countries have former so Soviet equipment in their inventory. Yeah, it's still like Kalashnikovs. You can leave them in the mud for thirty years, and it'll work. Clean them out, throw some. And then, American M sixteen. <laughs> I don't know. I had an M sixteen. They're pretty anyway. cool. The laser sights are <clears throat> not bad. So the deal was. Do you say carbine or carbine? I say M16A1 rifle. You don't say carbine? Or? No, it's not a carbine. It's a rifle. Okay. Okay. Um, any case, uh, they were going to transfer 28 fighters to Ukraine. Now, actually, according to Al Jazeera, this source. The, the B-29s. Right. Most of the Ukrainian aircraft are still intact because they're not being used in combat. They're just not, they don't have command and control systems. Russians wiped it out in the first day. They wiped out command and control. And if you doubt that Russia wants to destroy Ukraine, they didn't hit electric grid. The civilian electric grid is up. I have a Facebook friend in Ukraine, in Kiev. And he's writing every day. Yeah, things are quiet. This guy's writing this stuff. Okay, so the planes are going to be transferred to the Ukraine. And the next day, the Ukrainian, the Russian, Polish government came. No, 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 we're not going to do that. Now, Blinken was involved with this. Then the plan was, we're going to send the planes to Germany. Now, Russia all the time has been saying, that is a red line. And that could be nuclear response. And the U.S. intelligence community, the military intelligence, has been coming up and saying, we believe he's serious. Now, ladies and gentlemen, think about nuclear war, and I've been trying to get this across, is that it's just so fast. Okay, 30 minutes from America to Russia by ballistic missile. But eight minutes from Kiev to Moscow by cruise missile, it's not enough time to decide how to respond. So something we see something coming on radar. Is it conventional or is it nuclear? We don't know. But if we, and as the American phrase is called, the English phrase is called, lose it, use it or lose it, use it or lose it, which means that, oh God, my God, we could be we could be smackered in another few minutes. Well, we better use ours. And somebody, somebody, and it, it just escalates. Um, I was on another YouTube show. There's another guy I do shows for, Japanese guy. And what I did, now we're in Japan, I found a radiation fallout map for Tokyo area. 
if your quota is hit. And it's right down the Chuo line. Well, as Matt maybe told you, we're in Suginami, Asagaya. We're in the Chuo line right now. Uh, you live on the Chuo line. The Chuo Chuo line. And all the way into Chiba would be fallout. Which means that you better... Well, I've seen new stuff that says you can go outside after two or three days. Really? Uh, I grew up with... Um, in, in Growing up in America, you grew Just up with... Just 15 days to flatten the curve. It's two weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, I've heard that um, red wine helps prevent radiation sickness. So I told the wife, lay in some bottles. <laughs> <laughs> lay in some bottles. And uh, this is, this is since our marriage, I've been married for 22 years, this is the second time we faced serious nuclear war. First one was in the Georgian <clears throat> War. The first time was in the Georgian War that America sent a warship to dock at a certain port where there were Russian troops. And I, oh, shit, if that happens, excuse my language, folks. But you see, when I, I'm an old Cold Warrior, okay, former military naval intelligence of so the United States Marine Corps. We worked so hard to keep Russians and Americans apart. At that time, they needed to be. Do you think they still need to be? Yes. Yeah? Because two privates can start a nuclear war, shooting each other. Right. Two privates shooting each other. And one side calls in reinforcements, the other side's got to respond, and it can go up the line, it can go up the line, and within a couple hours, you've got missiles flying. And once they fly, that's it. That's it. So this Should is the world be divided along these lines, though? Well, in a sense, it's a kind of peace. Yeah. It is a kind of peace. The Cold War was a kind of peace. You know, we knew our limits, they knew theirs. Now it's a lot more fluid. But see, Russia still has all those nukes. And you have to think of Russian pride. You can't push them too far. Also, it's important to think about how unpopular Western liberalism has become. Oh, my God. Not, and hold, I just want to preface this. I'm basically a liberal. Okay. Not anymore, but I was. Uh-huh. Uh, after 2015, things got too weird. Um, and it, 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 recently, I feel like you have to, you used to want to save the whales. Not anymore. You have to save the transgendered people. So, oh, yeah. and that's fine. I don't care about that. But the idea that the rest of the world does. It doesn't make sense because most of the rest of the world doesn't want to think about that. Most of the rest of the world is just trying to get their two feet stable on the ground so that they can provide for themselves and their family right, or some right, community right. thing. And we have um, Western liberal ideologies now kind of spreading on these very hoity-toity ideas that never existed before but for some reason should exist everywhere all the time. Uh, a lot of people are really not into that. And yes. <clears throat> I come from the place where I, I, I'm, 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 West, I'm educated on Vancouver Island mm -hmm. in, in, in Canada, in Victoria, Vancouver. Okay. It's, it's ground zero almost of this liberalism, liberal, super liberal. Like, like I mean, I mean the, the, the Ukraine pin. A lot of my, my friends still do that back home. Yeah. I get it. I don't really care. <clears throat> I've also traveled around the world by myself. And when you're with liberal people traveling around the world with liberal people, 
the locals will do whatever they want because you're going to give them more money. Mm. But once you're by yourself with these people, they tell you they really don't like the, these ideas very quickly. They're like, well, you're by yourself. Yeah, I'm just chilling, you know. Oh, okay. And very, like very quickly. Oh, yes. Locals around the world uh, outside of a Western sphere of influence will just immediately tell you very quickly they don't like these things that are now coming up. They don't want to worry about all the environment. Like they don't, they don't think they think that the environment is changing, but they don't necessarily believe that we need to have carbon credits system based around a EU philosophy mm. where, where BlackRock can come and buy our forest to offset its Chinese factories, for example. So this idea of, the popularity of Bill Clinton in the 90s, which is where a lot of liberals are these days, mm. the, the, that idea never existed because if you think about it, this is just an aside. The year is 2022. If you were traveling around the world when I was originally in 2006, it's before the iPhone, mm. which means you relied on books and newspapers and stuff like that. But now you have Vietnamese people, Chinese people traveling all over the world with their smartphones. So you basically have people traveling around the world with supercomputers in their pockets that right, they can buy right. for a hundred dollars, whereas uh, ten years before that you were you were blogging or with a digital camera. So there's this massive disparity in the way that people are getting and spreading their information. And mm. liberals, by and large, from the Western perspective, of course they use Twitter and they're aware of all these things, but they're not aware of how unpopular their ideas are because there's billions of other people with bigger and better ideas that are using the same technology to to supplant the previous models. Well, in the Ukraine, after the 2014 revolution, so many officials were actually Americans. So many. And, and the, they, there was the call by Christina Newland as well. Fuck the EU. We're going to put Zats in charge. And it's like a three-minute call leaked uh, mm -hmm. over how the U.S. is yeah, going to yeah, come yeah, yeah. in and take everything over. And um, the transgender education has occurred, and people don't like it. They, I can't express this enough. They really don't. I went into the um, bookstore a few months ago uh, to see the Japanese kids' books and the English kids' books. Oh, no. Oh, no. Japanese kids' books, it's like, let's get on the train. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's automatopoeia. Like, gatong, 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 gatong. Uh -huh. Zaboon, zaboon. But the English books are like for babies, the anti-racist baby. Or, uh -huh. or it's like Supreme Court for black women now, for three-year-olds, stuff like that. Uh -huh. And my wife, who's Japanese, looks at that and goes, I, why would we show our child this? Why, well, right, don't we right, just want right, to right. open up a book and have some fun? Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And so super, super liberals, we're super liberals, we're super educated but i mean this movement is falling flat on its face well but it's being pushed to the extent as if it isn't i in america it's so strong but i think what's happened with this ukrainian thing is going to tear america apart the sanctions hold on to that idea tear america apart i gotta to go to the bathroom yet again okay tear america apart yet again well the thing is you know uh america is really in a mess before this ukraine war happened and yeah. now um, we have the president publicly stating that uh, there's going to be food shortages in America. The sanctions are not only on Russia. 
It's they're all on, Russia's fault. They're on you. It's all Russia's fault. So um, you can't shut down the economy for two years over a virus and then expect it to hit the on button again. And it's it's not just Russia. And the the fact that so many people are just going, oh, it's Russia's fault. No, 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 it's no, not. no, 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 no. And uh, they're blaming. That's it. very irresponsible from any partisan view. You can be left. You can be right. But just to say. Right now, it's Russia's fault that all these things are increasing and that the world is unstable. No, no, no. We've had two years of insane instability. And just to go from people talking about COVID 88 hours a day, all day, to suddenly like, well, I guess it's all Russia's fault. No, 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 no. You yeah. don't get to say it. You can say that. But honestly, that is a that is a line. And fuck that. It's not, it's not true. And I've always been, want, when, when is America going to finally revolt? Finally revolt after what's happening. And food. Mm. Food. A bunch food. of fat asses need to obesify themselves. Oh, God, they're fat. Well, of course, I'm fat. But that's because of beer. You're not. Compared to most of America, you're, you're not. Thank you very much. But that's, that's pretty pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> in, in Japan, ladies and gentlemen, in Japan, we have a thing called Daruma. Daruma. And Daruma is a kind of a fat doll you know it's 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 thing you you color in one eye you color in one eye you burn it and then you then you if your business succeeds you can color the other eye and okay okay but when i worked in tv business so many foreigners in japan i would work with these foreign wives from yokota air base or from yokosuka naval base and uh so many so fat anyway americans have always liked to have a lot of food and I'm, you know, okay, the elections, whatever happened with the elections 2020 and all that kind of stuff, Americans have not revolted if people can't eat. But it's going to be not just not eating, it's no fuel. And it's going to be no nothing. Yeah. Nothing's going to be delivered. It's the transition economy. And I think finally we're going to have a breakup of things. Uh, this has been accelerated by, if you notice, all the countries that are supporting America. None of them are energy exporting countries. The energy exporting countries are either neutral or support Russia. And they're going their own way. They're going their own way. Or, or, or they want to be energy intensive, like China. China wants to be energy intensive. So America has, by cultural pushing stupid ideas like transgenderism, alienated a lot of people. Piss people off. Yeah, they're just not into it. And piss people off. And Again, I don't care. I mean... Be transgender. I, I do it all you want. I don't. But the fact that you expect the rest of the those people pushing those ideas to expect the rest of the world to go along with them because they're on the right side of history as far as they can see, don't don't expect. That. Uh, and the Russian word for a, a gay person is called pederast, and it's not a good word. Uh, I, but that's what that's what I've been called my whole life. But I thought it was a good thing. That's my nickname. <laughs> um. Here in Japan, I was in a TV. I've been here 48 years in the TV business. And after 1991, we suddenly had a lot of Russians show up. Before then, there were no Russians. There just were none in Japan. And after 1991, and that includes Ukrainians. And uh, I heard all this kind of stuff, you know, about this and that, you know. And they, they came to Japan. And um, actually, as a former naval intelligence agent, I have the honor of being in a drinking party in the home of a former KGB agent. And he was like, Max, Max, you always took your American spy. I was Russian spy. Come to my house. My wife makes dinner. 
And this was in Tokyo Ikebukuro, for those of you who know Tokyo. And like, I, he didn't mention the word donkey, so this seems legit. Yeah. And um, I learned to drink like a Russian. And he lived in Ikebukuro. I lived in Koenji, for those of you who know Tokyo. And 10.30 at night, I'm going to go home. And we've done, we've done the Russian drinking, which is you drink uh, a toast of vodka and you have to say something like, mir, peace, or something like this, you know. And uh, Max, you try to speak Russian, but you're terrible. And there's stuff like this, you know, every, every five minutes. And before, in between that, we have soft drinks. Now, in Russia, soft drink is a beer. Yeah. That's beer. And after 10.30 or so, I was like, hey, hey I want to go home. And he says, you know, you can't take the train, my friend. You are, we, I'm a Russian. I'm going to take care of you. He's going to drive me home. <laughs> now, he's been hitting shot for shot for shot for shot with me. And uh, that's, yeah, he drove me home. It was interesting. Well, but um, there are people like people anywhere else. Russians are not evil. And all this propaganda coming out, how Russia is terrible, bombing hospitals. And, okay, I'm going to give you this article. And this is released by the Pentagon. Actually speaking, to Newsweek magazine, the Pentagon is getting, American Pentagon is getting a little concerned about all the propaganda coming out in the news media. And they, because nuclear war, okay, people in the military know what it is. We know. We know. Um, ah, yes, I just remembered. I'm, I put it on my blog. A couple years ago, in 20, 20 something, 2017, 18, 19, or something like that, there was a war game done. 100 participants in the United States. There's 100 participants. And um, about Ukraine and uh, intervention in Ukraine. It caused a war between the United States and Russia. In a couple of hours, 10 billion people were dead. 10 billion? No, excuse me. No, no, no. 1 billion. Okay, 1 billion. okay. It's Juoku in Japanese. Ah, that's yes, the ju yes, that's yes, where the yes, tank yes, came yes. in. No, 1 billion. 1 billion. But that's basically the population of Russia... Western Europe, North America, and Japan. Yeah, okay. it's not a small number, a billion people. Yeah, a billion people dead. Uh, some people would be like, great, but I, I, I'm not on that side of things. Uh, Tony Blair. Tony Blair has come out and said, why is the West so afraid of nuclear war? Excuse me. Please excuse me, Mr. Blair, if you can hear me. He's um, also in the Pandora Papers. He's a real piece of garbage. <laughs> well, not because he's in the Pandora Papers, but because he's like, pay your taxes, do your duty, die in my wars. I'm going to just put all my money not in this country now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just incredible stuff. So, uh, okay, now this article. This article was released by the Pentagon to Newsweek magazine. An article, I'm going to quote now. Putin's bombers could devastate Ukraine but he's holding back. Here's why. Okay, Google that. Google that and read it. I read it. It's pretty good. All this stuff, you'd be the horrible things that Russia's doing in Ukraine. Usually when I hear, here's why in a headline, I'm like, no way I'm clicking on that. Well, no, but he's, Putin is not bombing Ukraine. The big, the big story that came out a while ago that really got a lot of people in Japan was um, in Mariupol that a maternity hospital was bombed. Obviously, that was vacated to be used as a holding ground for soldiers. You know, like you know, I saw pictures of the inside, and it looked like there's just nobody there. There just wasn't. You see, if humans are actually occupying a space, there's all kinds of stuff. People have stuff, and just wasn't anything there. A lot of the. I'm also. Um, I was surprised by. 
how much of the infrastructure within Ukraine looks not very good. Like um, uh, a building may have been bombed recently, but you look at the the surrounding architecture and you're like, yeah, that, 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 a lot of that was broken before it was bombed. You know, yeah, yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. was a bomb. There was a missile landing there, but all the de- all the debris and the crap you're seeing around, it, it, it's 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 there because of the bomb, but as well as just rampant deterioration of this of this country's infrastructure. And, uh, uh, Sorry, is, Ukraine. Is, I wanted to like you. I like you well, less, less and less. Except the chicks are hot. The chicks are hot. Yes, I generally don't go for white women, but Ukrainian and Russians. Oh, um, no. I think the most beautiful are Japanese. Mm-hmm. The second most beautiful worldwide Ukrainian women. Uh huh. I think they're number two. Hands down. Well, actually, did and you this know? isn't because of the war, because I saw a whole bunch of refugees with their teddy bears and children crying up, crossing a border, and I got a boner. I'm just uh, saying, like, for many years now, I've been looking at Ukrainian women going, something about these girls that are just... Ladies and gentlemen, Russian women, Russian women, Slavic women are sexy. That's why the Beatles had a song. The, but the, the, the Ukrainian women seem a little bit warmer than the Russian women. All right. They just seem like, right. like just that that push more gentility about them. Whereas the the Russian women, super hot. They got boots and everything, but you're also like, yeah, you seem like an ice demon. No, thank you. Oh, my recruiting sergeant actually had a date with a Russian woman in Hong Kong, and he got in a fight with six British Marines. And he was getting his ass pounded. And the girl came and pounded their asses, six of them. And then she said, do you wish, let's go home. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Ah, Yes, these are women. These are women. But unfortunately, at the age of 25. See, that's why I like the Ukrainians more. I don't get that vibe from them. They're just kind of like, get me out of here. I'm hot, but I'm also nice. But well, I have a family now, right so next sorry, Ukraine. Ukrainian women. Actually, right You're next hot, to Ukraine but I'm, I'm occupado. is the country of Moldova, which is a tiny... Which Moldova is, is a landlocked country. Um, it's, right. it's, it's a pre-Soviet country. It was a Soviet country. And uh, recently, it's it's just a total shithole. It's and, bad. But, but, it's bad. But, 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 but they general, got good wine. General judgment is they have the most beautiful woman of Europe. And that's the prime currency earner. Really? They come to Japan to be hostesses. Mm. So, um, this morning I saw in the news, though, that it's going towards a solution. And what I think is going to happen from now, um, the sanctions are going to really devastate America. One, um, NATO is splitting. America and England really, really want to smack Russia. Germany and France, not really. It's Poland, too close to home. Poland is a bit nuts as usual. Sorry, I, I'm a German. I say this about the Poles. Sure. Yeah. Um, what's I gonna... like the Poles. I think they're they're more rational than, than we give them credit for okay. these days. What I think is going to happen now, though, is Putin is going to force a solution and then withdraw and then say to everybody, so what are you all worried about? And he's going to, and America's going to have his domestic troubles. America is going to end up the, the loser. The, the loser. loser. Yeah. The loser. And uh, Saudi Arabia refusing to call for the United States president. This is, um, this is something incredible. 
and there's going to be a different background hit. issue. Biden called uh, Mr. Bonesaw Musammad bin Salman, MBS, Mr. Bonesaw, and he didn't. Mr. Bonesaw did not take Biden's call. Yes. Basically, what Biden's been doing, he's been turning off all of the oil pipelines in his own country, and then begging other countries to produce more oil to offset the prices which is just a total douche move. It's disgusting. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's duplicitous. It's saying, we need to move on in renewable energy. and We're going to lead the way. Hey, can you give us your oil, please? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's, it would be one thing if you're like, hey, let's, we're producing too much oil. Uh, why don't we figure out a way to produce oil together? Like if you're on the same page, right? But if you're literally saying, we need to close down and move on to renewable solar, we need your oil. A lot of people are going to look at that and go, I don't want anything to do with you in terms of money and business. This yeah. is nuts. Yeah. Bad. And um, it just the leftists are just, just totally unrealistic. Uh, this war was for me. It was Hagemasha uh, Hagemasha was promoted by America. Promoted. I do speak English. I can remember <laughs> it most of the time. It was promoted by America, and Zelensky believed. And then he went and kicked kicked on the Donbass again, and Russia came back. But see, America did not come in. A lot of what Zelensky's been saying, you guys have no courage. Oh, look, we're looking at World War Three, thermonuclear war across the planet. Yeah, we don't care about you, Zelensky. Get over it. Get over it. Get over it. You I suck. Just, and, okay, he plays guitar naked on stage. Yippee skippy. Everything about this guy is yippee skippy. Yeah, so what? That's what I want to say to everything he says. And we need to face this with the do-do-do. We need the money and to preserve the democracy and move on. Yeah, or or what? Why, why why is this you? It's not you. No, it's it not has, you. It has nothing. This is not. This is not. This is not some you. This is not like the Soviet Union surging back into power because Putin is slicing off some parts of Ukraine. Hmm. Fuck that, dude. You're a. It, it, he he reminds me of um, the press coverage that Avenatti got, the creepy porn lawyer ah. for um, Stormy mm. Daniels. Where it was like, everyone was like, this guy's amazing. He's going to be the next president. He's just so great. But at the same time, you just feel like a real douchey vibe from it all. And so, uh, again, the first few days, I was like, oh, this Alinsky guy seems okay. Maybe. I don't know. The Maidan was weird. And they replaced this other guy with this other guy. And now there's this new guy. I don't know. Maybe he's uh, three days later, you're like, hmm. Stop trying to milk the world of their money so that you... I don't know what you want to do, bro. I don't know what you want to yeah. do, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think this means for Japan? Well, we're heading towards a bit of a disaster, of course. And uh, totally following America, our prime minister says that... Uh, Mr. Kishida? Yes. America's going to protect Japan. So, And then he went to India and he convinced India to go along with the whole thing. And India says, nope. And, um, right, we're, we're heading towards disaster, but Japan will persevere. And this is the Japanese people themselves that we will persevere. Okay, I am deep in the conservative movement. I'm pretty deep. I, I know you are. 
And I don't hear... But not the milk toast conservative movement. This isn't well, the Diet Hill. This is not the Kasumi Gaseki. There's a few people who realize that things are really bad, but everyone's in shock. There's a bubbling in the underground. There's a bubbling in the underground, but no one knows what to do. Everyone's in shock. I think what's going to happen, we're going to have in Japan a colonel's revolution. What is that? What is a colonel? Colonel, military colonel. Well, you remember Gaddafi. He never was called General Gaddafi, was he? He was a colonel. We came. And he oversaw. Yeah, but that was before that. He died. But he, he overthrew the generals that supported the king was King Idris. And the king was installed by what? The British or something like that, right? And eventually in Japan, I think it's going to have to be the military to take over. I see it's the only possible national organization that can do so. But we're going to have to have a lot of suffering in this country. And that's going to become, well, this economic disaster that America has created with and accelerated with Iran. Uh, I'm worried war. about the um, the World Economic Forum's influence. They're going to disintegrate. They're going to see when America goes. A lot of these people have nowhere to live. World Economic Forum or place like this, New York City is going to go. It's going to go. Davos. They've got too many immigrants. They've got too many immigrants in Europe, and Europe's going to go. The the Muslim immigrants are trying to Islamize France, and it's going to be an internal war. The same in Germany. Internal war, or they will um, set up uh, Islamic political parties that will rival uh, the and, parliamentarian style of disparate parties. So you can have you, a religious group with one segment of the population voting unanimously for it but against, there's still too against a disparate. there's still too few of them and they will eventually be slaughtered by real Germans or real French. I wonder. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. see. The top 10 names of the year for for England and stuff like that, it's like in the top 10, it's like Muhammad, Muhammad, Muhammad. Those are the three in the top 10. Yeah. And and this is is too bad. I don't want to sound like a nasty, prejudiced person, but no, this is just what happens. This is naturally how people react. It's one way. Yeah, it's it's not like um it, it it's not like uh, I was gonna say Yemen, but they're going through a war. It's not like Oman is like, hey, look, Matthew is in the top eight to have ten names of this, <laughs> and it's not like in um, Cameroon they're going, oh look, we have a lot of Davids this year, you know. So yeah, yeah, and it's, I don't mind immigration. I'm an immigrant. You're an immigrant, an uh, but, right? You know, we but, don't um, try to subject our views onto the uh, host country that we're no, privileged no. to live in. Whether you, you know, it's am I privileged to live here? I guess I must be. You know? We are, we are, and uh, but the thing is, um, people won't have food, and they're going to react very differently. Japan actually produced enough rice to feed ourselves, but we're going to lose out of a lot of things. Yeah, we might have to replace our um, baguettes and ham with uh, yeah, ka- yeah. katsuo and rice. Uh, my Italian, I don't know. My Italian salami, actually, Japan and Hokkaido, there's places that make some pretty good stuff. But um, it's going to be harsh. It's going to be harsh. A lot of people are going to lose their jobs. And this is why, as a Japanese, I'm saying to people, we have to start a draft for the military. We have to deeply increase our military. We have to start a labor draft for farm work to feed our people. Um, also, well, not import foreigners, but use Japanese for Kaigo. Kaigo is care of the elderly. Um, I'm proposing labor draft for that. I've been saying this, and I have some certain venues that I, I am involved in 
that are interesting and deeply influential. And there's people who really like what I say. There's people who like what I say. So I am, yes, I am that kind of a person. Uh, foreigners, well, if you're a foreigner in Japan, and basically if you're married to a Japanese person and you're still here, you have a right to be here, basically. But you're going to work. And I'm proposing moving people to farms. I'm proposing me moving people. That sounds to, like collectivism. Yes, it is. Well, we're a socialist country by nature. Do you ever know that Japanese joke? We're back in the Soviet era. The Soviet Union sends delegation to Japan. They come here and they visit a Mitsubishi factory. And the Mitsubishi factory, they all meet out in the parking lot. And the manager gets up on the podium and makes a speech. And everyone sings the company song. And then they all march into the factory. Ho, 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 ho. We're going to work today. We're going to work. And the Soviets say to the Japanese people, how could you do this? We've been trying for 60 years in Russia. It's never worked. <laughs> <laughs> Japan is naturally a socialistic kind of country. Everyone works for the benefit of everyone else. And um, it's true, actually. If 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 you want to be happy in Japan, you you can't just expect the good tidings that happen upon you to not be mm -hmm. reciprocated in it. Like this idea that, oh, if you if you leave your wallet somewhere, someone will run after you and give it to you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But that also means that you have to do something similar, but in a completely different way. Um, one thing I'll tell you all out there who are living in Japan, Lance. When I was a teacher, mm -hmm. um, sometimes the student would come in with a nice bag. I was a teacher for adults and interpreting interpreting academy. And they would put, they would look, look at their, the floor and they would put their designer bag on the floor and look so sad. I would come with them with a chair and I would say, please put your bag on this chair. Uh -huh. And they would go, thank you. Mm. So whether it's some guy running after, I mean, you, I didn't have to give that chair to that woman because her bag was going to be fine on the floor, but she didn't want it to be on the floor. Right, right. So right, I right. ran after that situation, and I tried to make it more comfortable for her. Well, that happened a lot. One one thing I say to people is, like, think about your neighborhood. Okay, hold on. i got to go to the bathroom. The Ukrainian war, with all of the price increases that are happening on the back of it, not because mm -hmm. of it, Thinking about the neighborhood in terms of being in Japan, Max, what mm -hmm. do you think? Small stuff helps survive. Community, this helps. This is how Japan will survive. We will have a new government form itself. I believe it will actually be a military government. I don't see any political party that has um, capability of really taking the nation out of a crisis. I think, and I think it'll be a lower rank officer. I don't think it'll be a higher rank officer. Uh, this is my prediction. I don't know. I don't know anybody now who's could do this. Western leadership, including Japan, is facing um, a serious problem. Well, I think Western leadership will be the same. That I think Western leadership will be a military revolution, which will be done by a former military officer, not a not a serving officer, not a serving general. And I think the 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 existing military will will melt into what's the uh, militia movement and sort of like that, which will eventually arise, and will probably be Christian fundamentalist, and eventually take over what's left of America.
But in terms of Japan, in terms of Japan, I see a, a charismatic Japanese leader rising, which will very possibly be Jietai or former Jietai. Jietai meaning a Japanese military. You don't think it's going to be Taro Kono or any of these? No, 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 not him. Excuse me, no, no, no. Uh, Mr. Kono is uh, Mr. China. No, 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 no. Uh, no, I don't see any any actual Japanese politician as really having that kind of charisma. I know General Tamagami, who was uh, previously um, the chief of the Japanese Air Force. I know him personally. Um, he was he's been really smacked. He's been smacked down. Uh, but someone like him, he came up and stated certain things that uh, about World War II in Japan, Japan was not evil and all that kind of stuff. But he got smacked down for that. There's people watching to make sure no one in Japan like that arises. What about Taro Aso? No. Um, too many people who are of political descent and so forth are second, third generation. And they just don't have, they just don't have the, the moxie, the guts, uh, the nastiness that will be required to become political leader and a military leader. So I think it'll be someone we don't see just at the moment. That's what I think will happen. And I think we'll go um, to lines of a traditional Japan. And not only people screaming about human rights, but hey, we have responsibility. We have responsibility for the nation. And this is, we all must step up. The entire nation must step up. And this is the truth. This is the truth. And this will happen in America, parallel to what's happening in Japan. Although we probably won't have that much contact between America and Japan because it just won't be possible. Airlines won't fly anymore, and there will be very little shipping and things like this. There will be still travel, but it'll be like back in the 1930s. It's even, it's even hard to establish what travel will be like because we travel was like... Um a mainstay industry for 30 years, but two, two years of COVID squashing it down. A lot of people... It'll are, be like it was back in the 19... Before World War One, Adventurous. Or even... I, I, did, I was never a big fan of mass tourism industry. I, yeah. I did a little bit, um, but I was always like... When I was in Nice in France, I was like, uh, to get just... 10 minutes there waiting for a train transfer, I immediately felt like, get me the hell out of here. Because travel right. industry was great for money, but it's not, it's, it's, it's shuffling people around in, in those situations. There, there, won't be, there won't be lots of tourists and stuff like that, really. People who have to or people who are adventurers, that kind of thing. But the average person is going to become wedded to a place, wedded to a place. And in Japan... My, my philosophy is everyone's going to work. Everyone's going to work. But if you work, you will eat. Didn't Lenin say that? <laughs> yeah, you sound like a communist right now. Well, Japan, we are a natural socialist country in a sense, in a very sense like that. The emperor will see that you eat, but you must do your duty. You must do your duty. And uh, basically, most people should survive with this kind of philosophy. That makes sense. I, I, I wonder what, what's going to happen because I've been here 16 years, 15 years. Mm -hmm. and e 
you you see things change over time and you see your home country change over time from a perspective and you go back and you, you realize that things change and you haven't been there for those changes. So now that's not you. Um, um, in terms of uh, where we're going, what concerns me the most about Japan right now is that uh, everybody is, it, it doesn't, uh, kanji is so difficult, Japanese writing is so difficult yeah. uh-huh. that you okay. have to be so smart to understand the basic thing. Mm-hmm. But that also means that um, basic information seems like it's way more smarter than it is. So you can write a whole bunch of complex kanji and right. have it not mean anything. But but because it's so complex, everybody reading it has to be so smart to be able to read it. So you kind of have like this um, devotion to the craft that obfuscates the depth of its actual meaning. And sometimes I worry that in Japan, there's so many people that aren't aware of anything else except for their cog in the wheel expertise. And then they, they just, they just play free games all the time um, in their spare time. And they don't know anything about the world. Like they, they don't, they don't know anything about the things that Matt, we've been talking Matt, about. Matt, I will shall revive. The Nakano spy Gakko. The Nakano school of spies. The Imperial Japanese that was Army. bombed in World War II. It was like affiliated with the unit. If you 735. ever come to Nakano, you can see Nakano Air Station in the north. It's a wild, wide park. And um, it used to be, when I first came, it was a police training center and a huge open space. It was the Nakano School of Spies, which actually in World War II became quite sophisticated. Japanese intelligence was quite good. My intention also is to reestablish the Japanese National Intelligence Agency. That's not a bad oh, idea. Oh, did I say something? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see where this we'll see, goes. We'll see where it goes. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for listening to our conversation. I'll take us out. I'll take us out. Okay. Everybody... This has been the Japan Web Podcast. Matthew, pmbigelow.com. Max, where can people find you? You can look at my blog, Tokyo Max Talks, blogspot.com. Or you can go to my uh, YouTube channel, Gunji Rekshi Max Wakaru. You have to know Japanese for that one. Gunji Rekshi Max Wakaru. Check it out, everybody. This has been the Japan What Podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. I was going to say Max wow. much. Wow. Thank you very much, Max, for being on the show. Well, I thank appreciate you. it as always. Uh, a very slippery interview. I mean, we try to go one way, we go another and, way. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, Matt, Matt paid for the beer. He paid for the beer. He made me drink. He made me, made me. <laughs> Cheers. Well, it wasn't very hard. (laughs) (laughs) We have rubber arms when it comes to beer. Have a good one, everybody. Good night and good luck. Wherever you may be. wear my mask and wash my hands after going home.